Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Quickie Avashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. Rebbe Omer Rebbe says, What is the correct path that a person should go on? Anything that is good for the person that does it, and good for other people also. And a person has to be careful with a mitzvah kala, with a light mitzvah, as he does with a mitzvah chamura, as he does with a strict mitzvah. Because you don't know the reward for mitzvahs. And you have to always think about the loss of a mitzvah, the loss incurred in doing a mitzvah, the reward of the mitzvah. And the reward that you receive, the seemingly reward you receive for doing a transgression, corresponding to its loss. And look at three things. And you will not come to do an Avera. Know what is above you. Eye in Roa, an eye that sees. Ozen Shomas, an ear that hears. And everything you do is written in a book. Okay. Let's, let's start to analyze this, Mishnah. First of all, what is the derech yishara? What's the, the, the proper derech that a person should go on? Again, we mentioned this the other day. What kind of derech are you talking about, a derech yishara? The Derech Yishara is the Torah mitzvah. It's all, it is all defined for us in the Torah and its commandments, exactly what the Derech Yishara is that a person is supposed to go on. Not only is it in the book of, in the book of Leviticus and in the book of, of Bamidbar and Devarim, but in the book of Bereshis also. In other words, not only is it delineated to us in the particular commandments of the 613 commandments, but how a, how a mensch is supposed to carry those out through the, the lives of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, all of that is taught to us. If all of that is taught to us, then what kind of, what kind of question is the Mishnah asking? Is Rabbi Yudah Nasi, Judah the Prince, asking, Ezui Derech Yishara. Everybody knows that Derech Yishara that you have to go on. Follow the commandments. Do what you're supposed to do. Live up to your obligations in this world. So what does that mean, Ezui Derech Yishara? That's problem number one. Problem number two, there's a Mishnah later in this parak. That says, Ezui Derech Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai asks his, asks his students to go and to find, and find out what is the Derech Tova. What is the good path that you should be going on? What's the difference between a good path and a straight path? Why doesn't this say that what is the good path that a person should walk on? Why does this say what's the straight path? What's a Derech Yishara as opposed to a Derech Tova? Okay, third problem. Really? Choose a path that's not only good for you, but that's good for other people? 
That goes against everything that we say that you have to worry about who you are and you can't worry about other people. I mentioned that in the first halach in Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah, Reb Moshe Isla, says very clearly, that a person cannot be embarrassed from people that are, that are, that are banging on him and that are, are shouting against him in the service of God. It can't matter to us what other people think of us. Plus, on, a, on an emotional level, you can't build a path for yourself based on what other people want from you. That, you know, plays into this Jewish guilt thing. Right, that, you know, that we seem to thrive on guilt. But uh, I once had a friend who was a, a psychologist who told me that, you know, when, when it gets pathological, a person has to learn how to say, stop shooting on me, right? Because everybody has a should. You should be this. You should be doing this. You should be doing this. That everybody thinks of other people in the terms of shoulds. He says, at some point, you have to turn to everybody around you and say, stop shooting on me. Stop telling me what I'm supposed to be doing and who I'm supposed to be. I have to be who I am. That's not true, though. <laughs> Look at the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, what's the right way to be? What everybody else wants you to be. That's good for you, but that's good for everybody else. What in the world is the Mishnah suggesting to me when it tells me that I have to worry about the opinions of others? Okay, my fourth problem. You have to be careful with the mitzvah kala kibachamura. Could you please make me a list? What is a kala? What is an easy mitzvah? And what is a chamura? What is a hard mitzvah? Because I promise you, whatever you put on your list as an easy mitzvah, I will probably have on mine as a hard one. And whatever I put on my list as a hard mitzvah, you could easily have it on your list as an easy one. So what does that mean, a mitzvah kala kibachamura? And the Mishnah says, because we don't know the schar, we don't know the reward of them. Well, we do really, because that's why you're calling them easy and hard. What does that mean that you don't know the reward of mitzvos? You, you do know the reward of mitzvos. The Torah tells us what the reward of mitzvos are. The Torah tells us what the punishments are. If you don't do this, then you're going to get killed. If you don't do this, then you're going to get lashes. What does that mean that we don't know the reward and the, and the punishment of mitzvahs. We don't know the schar mitzvah. What does that mean? There is a pecking order of mitzvahs. We know that if you have this mitzvah, juxtapose against, against this mitzvah, do this one. So we do have some kind of value judgment of them. We do have some kind of, some kind of measuring stick. Okay, my next problem, not done yet. What does it mean that be careful with light mitzvos, like with heavy mitzvos, because you don't know their reward? Whenever you hear the word reward, the hairs on the back of your head should bristle, especially because you learned the first chapter. And if you haven't learned the whole first chapter, then please remember they're all available on my YouTube channel. <laughs> and you can hear this class. But we spoke about that. You, you don't, we don't do mitzvahs in this world for a reward. We're not allowed to serve God with the thought of getting a reward. We have to serve God with the thought of not getting a reward. So what does that mean? Why would we say that we don't know matan scharan? Well, good that we don't know matan scharan because we're not supposed to know the, the reward for mitzvahs. We don't do them for rewards. 
And if I don't know the reward for mitzvahs, why don't I know them? Why didn't God tell me a little clearer, maybe, of what the reward for mitzvahs are? What really it's going to look like later? Okay, my sixth problem. Calculate the loss of a mitzvah against its reward. Now, I'm not a big genius, but you just told me that I don't know the reward for the mitzvahs. Well, then how am I supposed to do the next part of the Mishnah? When it comes time to do a mitzvah, calculate the gain of the mitzvah against the loss. I don't know what the gain is. I don't know what the loss is. How am I supposed to calculate? What kind of calculation are you asking me to do in the Mishnah? What does that mean? Calculate the loss against the, the reward, but I don't know what the reward is. I don't know what the value is. You just told me I don't know that. So what kind of calculation is the Mishnah asking me to do? And then finally, the last piece of the Mishnah. What does it mean? Ayin ro'eva ozen shamaz. Know what is above you? Three things you'll never come to do in Avera. Know what's above you, an eye that sees, an ear that hears, and all your actions are written in a book. Big brother strikes again. What is that? Oh, that's going to keep me on a straight and narrow. That's going to make me mad, knowing that I'm being watched all the time. Why is that going to keep me on the straight and narrow? But much more important, why is that in this Mishnah? Why is that the cap to the first two parts of the Mishnah? All right, let's get to work. What is this Mishnah telling me? So I'll tell you what I think is an important thing. Without elaborating too much now, as we go through, of course, we, we put pieces of this together as we go through. But what is the purpose of our existence? Our existence in this world is meant, we're here in this world, in order to be able to develop a relationship with the Borei Olam. As we spoke about when we learned about the Hillel Mishnayas and the Shammai Mishnayas, our purpose is to, is to build a relationship with God, and there are two facets to that relationship. There's our relationship with God in a ritual sense, and there's a relationship with God's world, with God's creatures and creations. Ultimately, it is all meant to get us back to the same place. It's fascinating that in the Torah, it tells us, via havta, as Hashem alikecha, you have to love God. Via havta l'reacha kamocha, you have to love your neighbors yourself. Via havtem es ger, and you have to love a convert. Those are the only places where it talks about love in the Torah. It doesn't talk about love of spouse. It doesn't talk about love of child. It talks about love of God and love of people. Because ultimately, that gets us back to the same place. It gets us back to that connection, to that relationship with God. My job here is to achieve a measure of greatness in my relationship with God and my relationship with other people. How do we define greatness? So it's interesting. Let me just grab a home. On the fourth day of creation, when we're being taught about the creation of the orbs, 
where the light was taken and placed inside of orbs. So the Torah tells us Let there be orbs, let there be lights in the rakia of the Shemayim. In order to differentiate between the day and the night. There'll be for signs and for, and for times. And for days and for years. And they will light up the world. And the Torah tells us that God made these Ma'oros in the Rikia, Shnei HaMa'oros HaGadolim, the two big lights. Es HaMa'or Es HaMa'or He created the big light. Limem Shalos HaYom, which is the sun, to deal during the day. V'yas HaMa'or HaKaton, Limem Shalos HaLayla. And then the Ma'or HaKaton, the small one, to go to to um, to rule in the nighttime. That's the moon. and the stars. So the commentaries wonder, why is it that we call the sun the moragadol, the moon the moragatan, and the kochavim are outside the pale, the stars. The stars also illuminate. The stars illuminate perhaps greater than the moon. The stars are massive, they're huge, they're great sources of light. But yet they're not included in the Mo'or Gadol, and they're not included in the Mo'or Katan, in the big light or the small light. So they say an unbelievably beautiful explanation. Because what's the measure of a big light or a small light? What's the measure of a light in its relationship to the earth? What it does for people? that if it does something for people, then it qualifies. It does a lot or it does less. Mora gadol, mora katan. The kochavim, the kochavim are too far away for us to really bask in their light. We can see them twinkle, but we can't really live by their light. And therefore the kochavim don't qualify, not as gadol and not as katan. They're outside the pale. Because the measure of godless, the measure of greatness is the effect that we have on other people. The measure of greatness of a person is not merely just the greatness of the person. It's not merely just the things that a person says, but it's the things that a person does in connection and in relationship with other human beings. We know that by Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah tells us that after he was scooped out of the river and he was raised by the daughter of Paro, so the Torah tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu grew up the very next Pasuk, the Torah tells me, Moshe, that Moshe grew up. The rabbis wonder, why do you have to tell me that he grew up twice? And then the Torah goes on to tell me three stories, three stories. I have no understanding why Moshe Rabbeinu was chosen as the leader of the Jewish people. The Torah never tells me why he was chosen. All the Torah tells me is these three stories. He goes out and he sees two Jews, fight. he sees an Egyptian fighting with a Jew, and he protects the Jew. The next day he sees two Jews fighting with each other and he cautions them to stop. And then he goes, he has to run away from Egypt. He runs to Midjan and there he sees the, these girls, shepherds, shepherds that are being 
um, that, that are being bothered by the male shepherds, and he protects these girls. This is all we know about Moshe Rabbeinu. The very next thing we know, he gets married. The next thing in the Torah that we know is that God comes to him in the burning bush and says to him, I want you to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. What's the Torah telling us? Why does the Torah repeat Vayigdal, that Moshe grew up? Why does it have to tell me that twice? Because what the Torah is defining for me, what godless is. Greatness is in relations to other people, in the impact that we have on others. That Moshe Abinu grew up chronologically, but he also grew up emotionally. And the Torah wants to show us, rather than tell us, how Moshe Abinu grew up and he had an impact on other people. He worried about Jews. He worried about a Jew and Egyptian. He worried about non-Jews. He worried about other people. And at that moment that we've established, Moshe Rabbeinu was a gadol. Moshe Rabbeinu was a giant. At that moment, God comes to him and says, now it's time for you to take the Jews out of Egypt. Because that was his credentials. His credentials were his godless, his greatness, was the degree to which he was able to worry and to impact and be concerned for other people. You know, at a bris, we give a bracha to a child. What's the bracha that we give to a child? Zeh hakatan gadol yiyeh. This katan, this small child, gadol yiyeh shall become great. It's not a bracha. It's a statement of fact. Someone to say the bracha is, is that the child should be healthy and it shouldn't go through any tribulations in its life. So zeh hakatan, he's a little one now. He should be zochet to grow up to an adult. That's not the bracha. When you're turning to the child who is a cotton, and why is the child a cotton? He's a baby. Of course he's a cotton. Why are you calling him a cotton? Because right now he is worried about one thing in this world, himself. He's worried about his eating. He's worried about his diaper. He's worried about being comfortable. He's worried about sleeping. That's it. And when he's not happy, he cries. That's it. And the whole world revolves around him. When he was born, he was born with clenched fists, and he was born in a fetal position, all wrapped into himself. Zeha Kotan, this child that right now, rightfully, is focused only on one thing, Godol Yiyeh, should become a Godol. Because what's a Godol? When you're focused on others. When you impact others and you focus on other people. And that's exactly what Rabbi Yehuda Nasi is telling me. Ezuhi Derech Yeshara He's saying, what's the proper path? Not the Toiva, the Derech Toiva. You know what a good path is? Good and bad is not your definition. Tov vira is God's definition. You don't choose tov vira. It is tov, it is ra. You choose derech yeshara. You choose a straight path or a crooked path. That's your choice. The derech tova we understand. What's the derech tova? Torah mitzvahs. That's the derech tova. Following God, what God wants from us. That's the derech tova. But that's not the derech yeshara. How do you, inside of that derech tova, inside of that good way, how do you, how do you navigate inside of there? That's called the derech yeshara. That's the straight path, and that you're obligated to pick. You have to choose that for yourself. And what are the criteria? It has to be the right thing. That's understood. But it's got to have an impact on others. It's got to have other people in mind. I will give you silly examples. You walk into a room 
there are no chairs left in the room. You walk in the same time as another person. You go quietly and get a chair. The other person goes quietly, get a chair. The two of you sit down quietly without disturbing the program in progress. You're wonderful people. But you go get a chair for the other person and the other person gets a chair for you and you sit down and you don't disturb the program in progress. The two of you are Gedalim. Because you didn't just do that which is good for you, you did that which is teferis lo mina adam. You did that which is good for somebody else. You had in mind not only taking care of yourself, but in mind of taking care of other people also. Many, many, many examples I could give, but that's what Rabbi Yudha Nasi is teaching us. Rabbi Yudha Nasi is saying, what is the derech yashara? What is the straight path that a person has to choose? Something that shows your desire to build a relationship with God by doing the right thing, but also with building a relationship with God from the other component of our relationship with God. And that's to Ferris Lomina Adam. That's by connecting and worrying about other people also. And that's what Rabbi Danasi goes on to. Have you you have to be careful with mitzvah kala, with what appears in your eyes as a light mitzvah, to that which appears in your eyes as a heavy mitzvah. If everything is about a relationship, then your relationship with God is not only in those things that are, that are difficult for you, on those things that are challenging, those things that are chamuros, but those things that seem to be mundanities, those are also the place that you build a relationship. See, we think that we build a relationship with God when we challenge ourselves, when we have to daven and it's hard for us to daven. We have to concentrate. It's hard to concentrate. It's hard to, 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 to do all the minutia of Shabbos. It's hard to do learn Torah. All of that, and we push ourselves. Wow, we're building a relationship with God. We don't see that relationship in the kalos. There's no such thing as a light mitzvah, but there are things that we relegate to a place as being a light mitzvah. When Rechonina ben Trajun was captured, teaching Torah to the public, he was captured and he was put in prison. He was there with his rabbi, he turned to his rabbi and he said to him, Am I a ben olam haba? So his rabbi said to him, I don't know, T tell me about yourself. Tell me something you might have done that would get you into Olam Abba. So he said, you know, I was once collecting money for Purim. And I took the money that I was collecting for the poor and I put it in my pocket. I had my own cash in my pocket. And it got mixed together. And I decided, rather than trying to figure out how much I would have had in my pocket, I decided to take the entire sum and to give it to Tzedakah. Oh, his rabbi says, you're a ben olam abba. You're going to olam abba. What? Here's a rabbi who was willing to give his life up to teach Torah. He was subsequently taken out and wrapped in a sefer Torah and burnt to death. And he has to worry, wonder, where am I a ben olam abba? 
You were teaching Torah in public in the face of a Roman decree that said you're not allowed to teach Torah. You were willing to give your life up for God. What kind of stupid question is that? Of course you're a Ben Olam Abba. No, because the definition of a Ben Olam Abba is not on the big stuff, on the chamuros. The chamuros are easy. But it's on the little stuff, the day-to-day stuff, the stuff that nobody notices, the stuff that you do quietly. The stuff that you do on your own, which makes you up who you are. That's what decides and defines whether you're a Ben Olam Abba. You know, when a person wants to come to convert to Judaism, the halach is we teach them the mitzvahs chamuros and the mitzvahs kalos. Okay, the chamuros, I understand why we tell them. The strict mitzvahs, I understand why we tell them, because we want to scare the heck out of them. right? We want to make sure that they, they really want to convert. So we tell them about it. I mean, I've... I've a disproportionate amount of converts in my in my congregation, and and I've worked with I've worked with every one of them, and it's an amazing thing, an amazing process. But the beginning of the process, when you have to tell them a mitzvah chamuros, I mean, you know, it's scary when they, when they have to hear about how their lifestyle is going to change and how the things that they that their life is predicated on are no longer it's going to be predicated on. That is, those are those are complicated things, but that's not the real challenge. The real challenge is you have to tell them the, the kalos. You have to tell them which shoe you have to put on first in the morning. You have to tell them about the things that they have to do when they, after they go to the bathroom. You have to tell them about the simple little things, the day-to-day little things, because that's the measure of the greatness of a person. It's not just in the chamuros, not just in the stuff that's challenging, but the stuff that is easy for us, but that becomes like rote, that becomes like second nature. Those things which we tend not to put much importance on those, that's where the, that's where the real measure of the greatness of a person. Are you careful with those also? Are you careful with those things that you step over, those things you do all the time? Look at the energy that we put in to Shabbos. Look at the energy that we put in to Yontif. Very often, not the same. Because one would go into the category for us as chamuros, one strict things, heavy things, one could go into the category of kalos, of easy things. Comes along Rabbi Yehuda Anasi and he tells us, that if you're building a relationship with God, then you have to be careful because you don't know which of these are going to elevate you more, which of these are going to build a greater relationship. Matan Saran doesn't mean your reward in the world to come. Matan Saran means which of them is going to create a greater relationship with God. And since that's not clear to us, we have to put the same energy into those that are challenging and to those that are not so challenging for us. Now, I need to develop that a little bit further and to bring us on to level, into, onto the third piece of this Mishnah, the third and fourth piece of this Mishnah, and I will do that tomorrow. I will try to review, bring us back to this place tomorrow, and then, and then take it further.